You ready for do do more in the future? Trap yes. talk podcasts? Yes. Man. Only, only trap talk. Exclusive. Yes. Exclusive. Oh. So stop calling us. From the spot, get the club to pop. When I come up with the crop, gotta love it, love it, and not them. Hop from the hop to the club spot, get the club to pop. When I come up with the club spot, get the club to pop. When I come up with the club spot, get the club to pop. When I come up into the coolest reptile podcast in the world happy easter i am so excited for today's episode man but it's sunday it's easter holy spirit is with me today what is good uh, this your first time tapping in (coughs) welcome hope your sunday is going great hope it's as beautiful as mine's been today saw my mom god bless her soul i've seen her she got to hang out with the alpacas, but uh, yeah, man, good day so far, and I feel like it's going to end properly with such an amazing podcast, but anyway, shout out to all my early birds. If you're tapping in on this beautiful holiday, man, thank you so much. Uh, if this is your first time tapping in, hit that subscribe button, hit that notification bell, that way you're on top of every single podcast that I drop here on the Trap Talk with MJ podcast uh, YouTube channel, and then hit that like button. It really helps me, helps the guest, helps the whole YouTube channel. Uh, in general, if you hit that like button, especially if you like what you're hearing, if you like these episodes, hit that like button, okay? Fuck me. Like, just hit the like button if you like what you're hearing. Really takes this, uh, takes what I'm doing far. So I appreciate it. All the love and support, mad love. Thank you guys so much. But uh, for the freshest and fastest rodents delivered to your doorstep, only one place I go to, and that's Cold Blood Cafe. Uh, $30 flat rate shipping, day one pinks, mammoth rats to your doorstep. Shout out to Stephen Cush and Desiree Manat over at Cold Blood Cafe. Shout out to Sim Container. John and Alex really living up to uh, what they uh, what they're all about, man. I'm telling you, these these eggs inside of a sim box is the way to go. I have 
multiple species hacking out of sim boxes and i'm not the only one man shout out to john and alex over at sim container thank you for all the love and support shout out to uh alex alex my bad jesus i'm all over the place steven and ashley over at focus cube habitats flex in texas all day every day pvc boat enclosures they're doing things different man they got their own thing going on so make sure you go on instagram and check them out and go to their website shout out to jesse and the entire freedom breeder crew number one stainless steel racks built in the united states the truth since the 90s shout out to jesse and the entire freedom breeder crew shout out to my big dog always evolving pythons miguel garcia making big moves in Mexico for I don't know how many days, and now he's on his way to Texas. Just I don't know what this guy has planned up his what up his sleeve. This guy's just an animal, nonstop moving, nonstop grinding. This is why he motivates me and inspires not only myself but many other people in the game. So make sure you go follow him on Instagram. Make sure you go check him out on YouTube. Uh, shout out to the big dog. Shout out to the whole AEP family. Shout out to my boy Alan at Amazing Basins. If you're into the arboreal snakes like the basins, I'm telling you right now, you're gonna want to go to Instagram and follow my boy right now. Uh, he has a lot of great things going on with these amazing species, and he's also got some ball python stuff dialed in this year. Go check him out. Shout out to my big dog, Alan, at Amazing Basins. Uh, shout out to Blake or over at Stewart Designs, really helping people progress their brand into that professional level of branding. Dude, this guy's a real deal. He's helped Kabelka out, Garrett Hartle, uh, Desiree, you name it. Big names in the in the game that the, that this guy's already uh, worked with and is working with to this day. So shout out to Blake Stewart. And then, uh, yeah, if you're in that position where you want to really invest in your brand and yourself, go to SD Identity on Instagram and go to uh, his website, sdidentity.com. Shout out to Blake Stewart. And then shout out to the OG, triple OG, triple, triple, Mark Bailey Reptiles. My boy Mark Bailey uh, picked up the, you know, I mean, I wasn't going to accept any more sponsorships this year. I feel bad. I told a lot of people I'm sorry, but uh, I'm all booked up for this year. But I'm not going to say no to a legend like this. Had a great time with this guy at Tinley, and uh, that's why you should be going to Tinley. Uh, shout out to Mark Bailey. I appreciate all your love and support, man. And honestly, to, to call you as a friend really means a lot. So thank you for your support. And, uh, yeah, it's all because I go to shows like NARBC and whatnot. You know, I met Mark Bailey at Tinley, NARBC. So shout out to uh, Bob Ashley and Brian Potter for throwing one of the most amazing reptile shows that you could possibly go to, which is linking over to the number one West Coast show, Reptile Super Show, thrown by Rami. So make sure you guys can go to any, like, these shows are so important, I feel like, you know, especially if you're really wanting to meet people and, like, start making moves, the right kind of moves, got to go to these shows. So shout out to those guys for leading the industry and creating such an amazing event for us, all of us uh, herpers to get together and, you know, chop it up with, man. So Shout out to Rami, shout out to Bob Ashley, shout out to Brian Potter, and then shout out to Phil Goss, US Art. Let's go. Head over to YouTube, subscribe to their new YouTube channel, and let's stay updated on what's happening with these legislations. Um, Phil, Phil Goss is this amazing guy, man. He he's literally does everything I want, like any, any, he does everything he possibly can to keep us updated, and he does a good job of doing it. So make sure you guys go down to the link below, support US Art. And uh, just, you know, if you don't have no idea what U.S. ARC is, now's your time to read up on it, okay? Because it's never too late. And I'm telling you right now, you don't want to wait until it's too late because then uh, it's not going to be good. So shout out to anyone who supports U.S. ARC. You guys are real ones. Uh, if you ever want to want to follow what I got going on, my passion and whatnot, uh, hit me up on Instagram or go follow me on Instagram. I'm very active on Instagram. I post all my snakes, all my productions, what's for sale, what I hold back, all that stuff. MJ Exotics Cartel with an A, not an E. And then also go follow uh, the podcast's Instagram page as well, Trap Talk with MJ Podcast. Shout out to my Twitch viewers. I see the Twitch viewers going up. If you uh, have Twitch, subscribe to my channel on Twitch. Um, if you like to support this channel more than a subscription or a comment or a like, which I, I take any of those. Don't, don't get me wrong. I love them. But if you guys out there want to support this channel more than that, you could send me a super chat. If you have any questions for my man, Brian, or uh, if there's a, a certain topic you want to cover, 
More importantly, that's going to get, you know, I'll, I'll see it in a super chat, 110%. So throw a super chat out there and I got you. That gets donated to US Arc, so it's a win-win. And then any other donation you can send over to PayPal, Exotics Cartel with an A, not an E. Just drop a note. And yeah, much love and support to all my, all my, all my kind of any ounce of support I get. I'm telling you, I don't feel like I'm worthy of it, but I'm, I, it's growing and I appreciate it so much. So thank you out there. If you're new to this channel and you're fucking with me tough, thank you so much. It's about to get better. I can tell you that much. I got so much in store and my Patreon family knows. Okay. So shout out to my Patreon family. If you out there want to become more a part of this podcast, more than what you see, if you want to get more behind the scenes, if you want to tap into the trap family and be a part of a discord, which puts you, you, you tap into a whole bunch of different worlds. I'm telling you right now, but if you want to be a part of a fucking movement that's growing by the day, I suggest you head down to the link below and click on the trap talk, Patreon, uh, link and join the family today as soon as you join you get message a discord link and then you tap into the whole family we get together every sunday on a zoom call and we just really fuck with each other man so i gotta say if you're a trapper patreon member and you're tapping in right now happy easter i love you thank you so much for your love and support and i will see you after this episode oh damn right we tap in right after this episode six o'clock trap talk zoom session man but what is good with all the early birds who is here spending their easters with the real ones the general in the building what's up general thanks for tapping in uh trap talk family member all day every day the homegirl Chantel in the building trap talk family member all day every day heathen what is good player uh deviant glass what is good trap talk family member all day Wes carter what is good Wes? thanks for tapping in wise guy what is good wise guy thanks for tapping in the big homie mike 1776 exotics thanks for tapping in player happy easter the homie clutch what is what is good new new uh trap patreon family member all day every day thanks for tapping in Appreciate you, trade tradesman exotics. Happy Easter, player. Thanks for tapping in, Matthew Summers. Man, I gotta say, this guy's consistent. He has a new chick, and he's still a part of the trap. He doesn't let anything get in his way. It's my boy right here. Happy, uh, happy Easter, Matt. Uh, you're my boy, Blue. Appreciate you tapping in. Uh, let's see. Oh, we got fucking UK in the building. Central Bullies. What is good, player? Thanks for tapping in, Travis F. What up, Travis F. Julio Fulio, what is good? Trap Talk family member all day, every day. Eric's Morph Factory, what is good, player? Uh, British Columbia Balls, got Canada in the building, what is good? Austin, what's up, player? I haven't seen you in a minute. Thanks for tapping in, Austin. I appreciate you. And we're going to end it with the homie Silver Cash. All right, Silver Cash, I bet you, I guarantee this fool's cooking pizzas right now. And if he's not, I guarantee he's eating pizza either way. So, all right, guys, let's get this fucking uh, session on the road here. I'm, I'm so excited because... You know, lately since I've been having these Sunday podcasts, you know, this is all about the lizards, you know, or geckos, whatever kind of, you know, species of lizards I like to cover on Sundays. Um, this guy has come highly recommended by so many people that I look up to in the game. So this was already going to be a done deal. I'm glad that it, I was able to book him a lot sooner than I thought I was going to be able to because he's tapping in right here, right now from the mountains of North Carolina, I believe he said. But we're all good. Connection's good. It's my boy, Brian Susa, Su Susan. 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 God, I even practiced that to make sure I didn't fuck it up. Susan of Sundown Reptiles. What is good, player? Not much, man. I'm doing well. Thanks a lot for having me on. And yeah, a quick disclaimer about that mountain thing. The internet is a little spotty, so bear with me, guys. I apologize if it, if it does cut out, and I'll jump right back in. So. Right. As long as the audio is good, we're good. And I think we're going to be all right. So we'll figure it out. But Brian, happy Easter. Happy Sunday. How's everything on your end? How you living? Things are good. Happy Easter to everybody. Um, life is good. Kind of spent the day out uh, building a disc golf course and splitting wood. So, <laughs> wow. And that was after collecting some gecko eggs. 
So it was a good day. Nice. So you, you definitely have uh, you, you put your work in on top of like, you know, the fun work, which is all fun. I feel like, you know, eggs is fun. And then to uh, I'm not going to listen. Here's I'm so sore with uh, disc golf because I suck at it. And I've, I know I know I have homies who are really good at it. And, and I hate being a part of a group where they're all good and I'm not. And um, and, and the thing is, like and these guys been doing it throughout like periods of years, like they have their bag, they have all their different you know, it's like they're really about it. And I'm like, yo, what the fuck? You know, I'm like, teach me. And they like really can't. And I'm <laughs> anyways, that's it. So disc golfing is I think is really awesome. San Diego has a couple really cool courses. I don't know if you've ever been to San Diego before, but um Yeah, yeah it's it's sweet. It's one of those things you really gotta put in the work to be good at it. But anybody can go out there and have fun. So you know, right. it's a good yeah. time. So good North Carolina, so North Carolina, right? Yeah, yeah. I, how you like it? How long have you been out there for? Are you born and raised? Like, what's what's? How long have you been selling? I'm coming up on seven years now. I actually grew up an hour north of Tinley, so right up by the border of uh, Wisconsin, Illinois, up in northern Illinois. But kind of had enough of the flatlands and visited a buddy down here, and it's just the herping's amazing, the hiking's amazing, the the the, the pace of life is a lot slower, and uh, it's just a good time. So I'm, it was a no-brainer for me to move down here, especially because I was able to bring the animals and kind of commit to that a little bit more. So it's been good. I got to say, one of the things I always get excited about having when I have a guest on is when I know that they have their hands, you know, tapped into more than one species, which is definitely what seems to be like what you're all about. Um, but I'm curious on what that one species was that kind of led to everything that you have today. Like what was what's the foundation species you work with? That's a tough call because I think, you know, a lot of us start out as kids and we're interested, you know, we get hooked just by seeing whatever you go. For me, like when I was, since I was a baby, before I could even talk, my family was going to Kona, Hawaii. And so when I went out to Hawaii, there was a guy who worked um, at the pool who like kind of took me under his wing and just showed me different geckos and anoles, all these invasives that were out there. But that really, I think, hooked me and uh just yeah since i was a kid i've had all these books you know about everything like a lot of the viewers and it kind of just started out with i wanted to have something of everything and then it kind of started to refine like i was gecko heavy and then there was a point early on like back towards the end of high school um going into going into college where i just went all chondros and uh, that was back in the day when, you know, Maxwell, when you guys were having that talk the other day, he was talking about the chondro web. I was one of those people on the chondro web back in the day. Um, oh, that ages me a little bit, but it was, uh, yeah, I went heavy chondros and then kind of just started getting back into geckos once I was more stable in my location. So. Hey, do me, do me a favor, Brian. It might fix real quick. Exit out. Wait, hold on. Say something. Yep. Hello. Hello. Okay. Now we're good. Actually, it, literally, I was gonna have you leave and come back in, but it just your connection just cleared out right when I break for it. So we're good now. All right. Perfect. Okay. Now okay. you know it's it's funny you said that because you're like okay, um, you know, you just had the 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 chondro guy of all chondro guys on your show, so we're not talking about chondros, but you know that's not no. the case. I'm, I'm gonna have to want to tap in a little bit more about what your uh, experience is what with the chondros because I mean, was that 
was that something that was carrying your passion for for a good amount of years and and something you left behind at some point or like let's kind of talk about what what you like how deep you were with the chondros if you don't mind yeah it was the only thing i kept it got to the point where it was all chondros you know i think I, you know, my, my story with them was a little bit of heartbreak. That was back when nobody knew about Nido and a lot of people were losing, you know, collections. And it essentially was, it was an easy species for me to work with just because I was doing a lot of travel, which snakes are super easy. You know, if you're doing a lot of travel, lizards are like the last thing that you want. Um, right. But snakes are great as you know, in that respect. But yeah, I mean, I was able to, uh, to kind of amass a really nice collection, a lot of Greg's stuff. I mean, I went to his place to pick up some animals and um, yeah, but it didn't, it didn't end well. And I ended up losing some of my animals, um, which was really unfortunate and kind of, you know, a lot of people got real sour on chondros for a while. And it was because this things would pop up with these unknown RIs. You have a snake for six years, all of a sudden you pair it up and something happens and it's like, so that was kind of a heartbreaker, but I ended up, you know, um, kind of like doing some breeding loans with some folks and kept a, a handful of animals that I raised up since they were babies that I had produced. And I still have them with me to this day. Um, and they're producing clutches now. But uh, yeah, it was a fun and, you know, you know, chondros, they can be tricky. But. I mean, they're, they're like either way, they're they're meant to come in your life for some sort of like learn less learning lesson, you know. And you can either hang with it as long as you want, or you could take it for what it was and mm -hmm. you know check you later and keep it moving, you know. And you know, you do hear stories of people getting hit with the reality of chondros after a handful of years, and they just don't want nothing to do with reptiles. Period, you know. So yeah. um, it's good to see that you're just like you know, like you said, you it was a big chapter of your life. But now, you know, the reason why you're here on this podcast, based on what I'm being heard, is your gecko game. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're tapped in with some lizard species as well. So, I, you know, Kurt, to lead up to right now, you know, like what are what's the foundation production for you going for you right now? Um, it's probably a, a pretty even split between geckos and monitors. Um, so I work with a lot of the new Caledonian species of geckos a lot of uh, Australian species of geckos. And then um, I'm working with the, uh, the Varanus cobrensis, so the, the Pilbara rock monitors. I've been working with them for almost maybe eight to nine years now. I've been keeping and breeding those guys. And then um, in the past few years, I've gotten into tree monitors and did uh, kind of have really buckled down heavily with tree monitors and I'm obsessed, uh, bro. I'm obsessed. I'm, 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 I mean, I don't, I'm going to do my best to not try to keep you wrapped around this topic, but the tree monitors, man, like here's the thing, dude, like I am, um, I'm, I'm coming from the ball Python game, right? Like my, my mm -hmm. biggest foundation of what I do was based off ball pythons. And I always wanted more, not that ball pythons isn't enough, but like, you know, ball pythons is structured to make me money, you know, and I'm okay with that. But mm -hmm. I like, I like stuff that's a challenge to where like I if I'm success if I'm successful at it, I don't even fuck about the money. I don't care about selling it. This is like something I'm willing to hoard type of thing, right? Um right. but at the end of the day, like I, I have a certain appreciation for these type of things all because of the ball pythons. And that's always been like I always have ball pythons no matter what's going on in my life. I you know, that was my first pet snake as a as a kid. Ball python, you know, I always remember that. But you get you get into the monitors after so long having snakes. 
and you just really see this whole different reptile. Like I'm talking about something that knows you're there. It's fucking like it gives you like like they're not idiots. And not to say that snakes are idiots. They just don't like they're just more don't give a fuck want anything to do with you where a monitor that's bold, a monitor that trusts you is like a fucking dog. It's crazy. I'm obsessed. Yeah. And you know there's there's levels to the game. Yeah. And here's the thing, right? So right now, you know, I have I have the the bell phase. I have a couple pairs of bell phase monitors, which I love them to death. Um, you know, there you know, maybe a couple of scenarios where they acted skittish, and it was a kind of a struggle to like get them to snap out of it. But there was nothing. That was when they were younger. But the tree monitors, right? Like the tree monitors, definitely a lot more like you know. I don't want to say. I mean, the male's coming around, but the female like does not like to eat off forceps. She's very like you know. The trust is not, you know, she makes it makes it known that yeah, I don't trust you like this guy trusts you. And it ain't gonna be that easy. But I like that. Like I fucking appreciate that she don't like like that she don't trust me. And I I I'm kind of seeking to to get her to trust me, you know. And 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 I feel like that's. I wish I kind of like saw that kind of value in a snake, and I just don't. Like I fucking I'm obsessed with the monitors, bro. Like I mean I don't I can't keep them like how I keep snakes. That's not feasible. I mean that's I respect. What it takes to keep a monitor. You got to give them space, a lot of space, and they fucking eat. You know what I'm saying? They like to eat. So it's it's work, you know? So I don't know. Anyways, the, the, the tree monitors, I, I, I'm i right there with you. What, what species of tree monitors um, are you currently working with right now? Um, I got into it, that, but that was pretty choppy on my end, by the way. So if, if I'm chopping up, just let me know and I'll bounce out. You're, Can you hear me? You're, all? you're good. Cool. Um, so I kind of got into it. You know, the yellows really drew me in, um, but I had a really unique opportunity to get a group of legit captive bred blues. Um, so I snagged them when I had the chance. Um, and then I ended up snagging a couple pairs of yellows that, um, you know, were also captive bred. Um, and so I got really lucky in that respect that I was able to start with legit captive bred animals. And uh, I started producing them. I ended up producing 39 of them last year between the blues and the yellows. And yeah, I kind of went into it with a, with the mindset of like, all right, you know, I'm going to try these out and see how I do and kind of take it from there before like jumping full in. And, um, you know, it's, it's a species that I know I was able to, to do successfully. So I'm very grateful for that and, and had a good season with them last year. And, you know, we've got eggs cooking now, but for now, it's just the blues and the yellows. So. Okay, if you could do me a favor, Brian, because shots of my one of my mentors who, like, you know, he he just this guy just geeks the fuck out out of monitors and knows a lot about the behavioral stuff and whatnot. But if you could kind of like explain to um, us exactly behavioral type of things you see during breeding, like for instance, like you know, you you have a pair you have a pair that are paired up and you see courting and whatnot, um, but you know the, the digging right like i noticed there's test digging and whatnot um but how do you know like that she's digging for real like is there a certain point or a certain attitude that she starts to create when you know that this digging is going to lead into her laying or or whatnot um i found that it's kind of like a fun you know every animal is different they're right. really picky um as far as lay sites so having a lay site is key because she can dig all day, but if she's not happy with her nesting site, it's not going to be good for you or her. Um, 
let's say making sure that you've got, you know, the proper nest box set up and substrate set up in there and temps, you know, there's a lot, a lot that kind of goes into it with them in that respect. Um, but once, you know, you, you, it's a fine balance because you, you get excited when you see them digging and you know, like you may have witnessed some copulations, you know, in the past few months and you're like, Oh man, this is it. And then, she comes out of there and you want to jump the gun and, and check the nest box and see if you've got eggs. And um, sometimes I can throw them for a loop, uh, especially if it's like a real timid female, like the one you were talking about that like doesn't trust you. Um, right. I have a female that doesn't care. I mean, she will, she'll hop on me while I'm like sitting there working with other animals. She'll hang, you know, she does not care about anything. So me spooking her nesting doesn't really matter. Right. But I would say it's like, you know, keeping an eye on them and, and paying attention to the belly. You know, when she comes out looking like a deflated bike tire, you know that it's safe to get in there. And if you are like, you know, one little thing that I've kind of found to be helpful. And if you have a female that is really nervous is wait till the lights go off when she's kind of in her little roost. She's sleeping for the evening and you can quietly go in there with a dim headlamp. And you can check so that she's not sitting there watching you and observing what you're doing. She's kind of KO'd for the night, you know? So with that being said, um, Brian, like, you know, I I, I, I I found a window when I could check and she doesn't give a fuck, right? Because it, it's typically mm -hmm. the mor in the morning. Like, she's she kind of sees me, but she don't care. Like, she's just, like, knocked out, right? And uh, I, I the, it's funny you said that. Like, you know, I, I jumped the gun about three weeks ago because she had these holes in the nest box and you know these perfect tunnels and i was like holy shit like this looks crazy and then and then you know i was I, at that time i pulled the mail because i did see some courting and, and last time i didn't pull the mail and she laid them in the corkwood you know and, and and i was trying to avoid any kind of stress like that so i pulled the mail and then literally three days later these holes seemed to be covered up and i was told that when they lay that they will like cover up the holes like if nothing's there i don't know and so when i noticed that these holes i was checking on were no longer there and the you know the, spec, the area i was looking at i you know i i was like and she did she had dirt all over her. the thing is she didn't look like a fucking wet sock or anything or she didn't look like a damn flat tire you know she she, she i didn't really know what she looked like she looked like she was covered in dirt but i fucking went through that whole box and there was no eggs you know there was these perfect tunnels there was perfect tunnels leading like you know leading all the way down to towards where the heat pads at but there was no eggs and so i fucking panicked and i was like oh great like i fucked this all up so you know i repadded and compacted the dirt and now we're just back to there being holes in there again and they're just not covered up there's just there's like maybe a few tunnels in her nest box right now so yeah and the is the male still in there with her say that again the male still in there with her Mel's been out. I, that's why I know. I feel like maybe I pulled him out too soon. Like that's why I don't know if I should put him back in with her. You know, I'm, I'm not. I'm not too sure what I should do right now as far as with the male or with her. Like I don't. I do know she don't look skinny. Like she looks like she has something on, like on her belly. Like she yeah. has that little roundingness. You know, I just don't. You know, mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I just don't know, bro. Like yeah. I'm trying to. Well, the, the digging's a good sign for sure, and I think it's good that you got the male out of there. So you know, just. Do what you can and, you know, observe and go from there. Um, I do want to say, too, you know, getting into the tree monitors, I, you know, I uh, 
I did a lot of digging and picking in a couple guys' brains who I respect a lot. One, of course, is Brandon Van Aston up at Canadian Cold Blood. You know, him and um, Hai Nguyen from Naked Dragons. Um, both of those guys were so kind, so patient in dealing with a lot of questions when I was starting out with them. And so, um, you know, hats off to both of those guys for kind of paving the way with a lot of the stuff with with tree monitors and I've actually become really good buddies with Brandon now. And so we shoot the breeze all the time and bounce ideas off each other. And, um, but yeah, just wanted to throw that out there. You want to talk about legend in the green tree or excuse me, you want to talk about legend in the tree monitor game, Brandon Van Asten, yeah. definitely my biggest heroes. I can tell you that much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Him and his fam came down here a few weeks ago and, uh, stayed at the place and checked out the collection. So, it was good having having them down and actually meeting them in person. Been like talking to them for years, but it's good to finally meet them. So, so it, it, to kind of go back to you know the male being pulled from the female. If you were in my position, um, and you know, for instance, no eggs are ever laid. When would you put the male back in, or when do you feel comfortable reintroducing the male to her? Um. So you witnessed them lock up. I don't want to say, I, okay, like she laid in January, right? She dropped eggs oh. in January and they were, they were, they were unfertile. There was nothing, right? And so about a month ago, about, about a month ago or so, they were kind of, I don't want to say I saw the, a, a lock, but they were doing the motions, were chasing around and like, you know, I, I just really wasn't messing with them. So I can't say I saw a lock. I really can't after, say. I, after you got the eggs in January, was the male in with her immediately? Yeah, he never pulled. I never pulled them at all. Never pulled them. Yeah, it's a tough call. It's a tough call if, if you didn't witness a lock. Um, you know, some males are just crazy breeders, and you you know you can witness it. I mean, it's super helpful when you see that if you see them locked up like several times, and then you know a couple months go by. Um, like I, I kind of like so after a female lays for me. Like I'll give them, I'll give the female a little bit of time just to herself and really beef her back up. And then I'll introduce that male. And um, at that point, you know, usually you're, you're witnessing some, some copulations at that point. Um, and then once well, a couple I, months go by and you see that like there's been locks, right. that's when I'm going to, you know, I want to yank him. But some people keep males in and it's just, for me, I like to, to give her her space. Yeah, I agree with that. That's I definitely want to be on that tip where I'm like, you know, giving her her space when it's game time. And, and to go back to when she initially laid earlier in the year, um, there was a lot of copulation going on. Like I saw him like put like multiple times. I saw him like hammering her and I was like, oh, shit, you know, and this time around, I didn't see any of that, you know, so. I do know that he's gonna do it. Like he'll do it in, in, in the in the open, and I just didn't see any of the any of that aggression of breeding on on that side of him this time. So I don't know. I mean, I'm like that's why I'm feeling like maybe since I didn't see any of that, I should have never pulled him. But based off all the digging and stuff like that, I mean, I was just told that you know I don't I don't fucking know. This is this is a hard thing I'm trying to figure out right now. I'm not gonna lie, this is tough. I think you're on the right track. I mean, the fact that she's digging, you know. That's good news, and you know, just keep her well fed and see what happens. You know, no, worst case scenario, you get and and keep this in mind too. Like I noticed with, you know, so so last year I did three pairings, two blues and one yellow, and the first couple clutches, 
were not good with those animals. And they were first time breeders. The females had never been bred before. And I was starting to lose it because I'm like, oh my gosh, that's when I was like bothering Brandon and, and Haya quite a bit. I'm like, what's going on? What am I doing wrong? There's gotta be something. And uh, it just they just needed to get it through their system. You know, I feel like before they really figured it out. Um, so don't, yeah, I wouldn't worry too much yet. The fact that you got some eggs and you're witnessing locks, that's all good news. So for the time being, I know I don't want to be a broken record, but the male, leave him, leave him be for now. It's separated in the time being you would, you would, you would suggest, or what would you say about that? Yeah. You said, you said the clutch was in January. She yeah, she laid in January. Yeah. So March. yeah, I think it's a tough call. <laughs> If, if I didn't see a male locking up, then it could be, then I might want to leave him in. But, you know, again, it's like January. So you got February, March. Now we're mid-April. I mean, he might have had time to get it done. Um, that's a tough call, man. I mean, they spent they, they, they so much time in the corkwood to get, like, I mean, I just, like, I know they were, like, really comfortable with each other a lot. I just didn't see any of the kind of fucking humping that I was seeing in Jan in, in like earlier of the, of the year, you know what I'm saying? Where he was literally chasing her around and like, you know, literally like in there and I can, I'm like, Holy shit, it's going down, you know? So, um, I don't know. God, damn. Say, if she's too, if she's super swollen and she's doing a lot of digging, just leave it be. What about, the, you know, what, about, what about what about the food intake? Because I was going to ask you that too because she's not – I don't want to say she's a skittish eater, but she's not the most bold eater. And right now she's a very bold eater. So do, do, do they typically become bold eaters before or after they drop? Um, You know, before, like leading up, well, like my females will eat pretty heavily throughout. There is a, there is a time period that they'll hit um, where they'll stop a little bit. But then I've had – I mean, it's – I haven't noticed like a full on pattern where like they're not eating at all. Um, they, and, and if it is, I don't have it fully dialed in um, as far as that, an answer to that. So it's, yeah, I don't, I don't really have a, the best answer for you on that. If I could ask you though, like you said, there's a time frame where some of them might, might shut off food for a little bit. And, and are you noticing that before they lay or while they're, while they're, they're getting, you know, locked or like, what, when does that normally happen when they do typically shut off food? Um, it is, it is before they lay, but I wouldn't say it's like, oh, she's not eating. This is the time she's going to lay because I've had females eating right up to their lay period as well. I have a female right now who's an absolute pain in the ass nester. She, I've got two separate nest boxes in there for her and she's just, she's never happy with her nesting site. So, but she's been digging super full. She's got eggs in her. She's still pounding food and she's digging all the time. She's giving me a headache too. So, you know, I'm right there with you on, on that one with your, with your girl. I'm, I'm going through a similar issue with this female because she always gives me issues, but then you can have other females like my other blue and my yellow from last season. They just pump consistently. No, but no bonus. Yeah. What what is a what does a female do to let you know that she's not happy with her nesting? Like what, what are some things you're looking for to, to know that? You'll see eggs in, in the cork tube. Oh. You'll see eggs scattered around <laughs> Yeah. You'll see eggs scattered around the cage. Um you okay. know, I've had them go into the nest box and lamb on top of the substrate, you know, but ideally you want them to go down, dig their tunnels 
lay their eggs, cap it, you know, come back out, cap it off. And then you dig down and you find the eggs nicely how you want to find them. But like I said, this one particular female is an absolute pain in the butt and just, you know, hopefully, you know, I'm expecting eggs any day from her. So we'll see what happens with her this time. We're literally on the same boat, literally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It can be troublesome. Yeah. Oh, you know, at the end of the day, this is what makes me love that I'm in a project like this. I'm, you know, it, you know, it could be the thing is, it's like the what if, like, right? Like, you know, there, there could be a heartbreaking end to this, like, big time. You know, you just don't know, right? But you know, that to be, it's meant to be. At the end of the day, like that, that fact that she had already laid eggs for me before, I know that she is in a place where it could go down. Um, but you know, the reason why it went down the way it did is because my nesting was all fucked up for her, and it got flooded, and it was soaked with water, and that's why that happened this time around. None of that's going down. You know what I'm saying? It's completely different. I even have a heat pad. She's even digging where the heat's at. So like, I could totally tell that this the heat pad's good. Like that's like a crude, they dig towards the heat for sure. So um, to have that, I feel like that was, I think Mike Stefani uh, gave me the tip on that, that heat pad thing on the side of the, the, the nest box. But um, anyways, yeah, man, I, day by day, man, this is just definitely something uh, I'm, I'm, learning i'm learning more and more about these species every day as i go along and i only have the green tree i would love to have yellows uh the blues blacks i mean the, the, the tree monitor in general is just an amazing species of lizard like i i can't get enough of it animal if i had to get rid of everything it would be one tree monitor i don't care which one it is any species just give me one and that'd be it you know i'd, I'd give it a, a an enclosure the size of a bedroom and just call it a day so how did you, I mean, how many of the 39 or how many of the, how many monitors did you produce last year? Tree monitors? You said 30 39. Something. 39, right? How many of those did you hold back or how many of those actually went off to, to customers? I held back four, um, two female blues, one, one female from each pairing, and then um, two female yellows. Wow. Damn. Okay. And, and, and for the most part, I mean, you sell at shows or how are you selling your tree monitors? Um, most of it was online. Um, you know, I do a lot through the social webs on my Facebook and Instagram, and then I have a website. Um, so I think I, I brought some to Tinley back in October um, and, and, and moved a couple there. But for the most part, like the blues and the yellows, you know, that sort of stuff when you get into kind of the higher end animals it's like people find you you know you don't really yeah so but yeah it's a good season so i mean as far as the establish you know like the egg thing right you know how many times have you gotten eggs that were laid scattered across the enclosure that actually made it you know i, I mean does it mean when they lay like that 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 egg's not going to go or does that mean that you know it just all comes down to the luck or what does that usually mean um, you got to get like, so it does not mean that the eggs are bad if they do that. Um, at least in my experience, um, it's again, it, my experience all boils down to this one problematic female. Um, but I did find a clutch from her that she had kind of scattered. She laid some in the nest box. I found a couple out and I gathered them. There was like one to two that was no good, but I ended up hatching out babies from the other eggs. So it doesn't mean it's, you know, necessarily a death sentence. You just want to catch it early in the morning. So like for you with your girl, if she is going into that box and, you know, maybe she's happy with it, maybe she's not. 
I would just check first thing in the morning because you don't want the eggs to be laid there and you have a day where you sleep in, you get up later or you run to work and then you come back at three and the eggs have been sitting out all day and then they're desiccated and then it's, then they're toast. Yeah. I mean, from based off what I'm, what I'm seeing her habits are, um, she, you know, I wake up pretty early in the morning. Right. So I'll just always, I come in this room and I'll inspect and see her where she's sleeping and then be working in the room. And then like around 7am or like earlier in the morning, she'll come out, like she'll go from being wherever she is inside the, um, Corkwood, and then she goes into the nest box and does her digging in the morning. And then she comes out um, when I turn the lights on, um, and then she just co- that's when she's just covered in dirt. And I'm just like, what the mm-hmm. fuck, you know? But she don't look like a she doesn't look like she's empty at all. So yeah, yeah, day by day, it can though. be tricky too. Like I, I did get fooled with this last clutch of blues that I have cooking right now. Um, right. I thought the female did not lay because she had a little bit of sag to her belly. She didn't look as deflated as other females had in the past. And I just happened to check and there was five eggs in there. So Whoa. It, it's, I wish I could give you like a, an exact, you know, Oh yeah, this is it. This means you have eggs, but I've yeah. been fooled, you know? So. Cause I mean, even, even, even in this pick, right? Look, she, I mean, she doesn't look that fucking empty and this is the female oh. that you pulled the eggs from, right? Correct. Yeah, those were just dug up. She laid those the night or the day before, and I came in that morning and dug them up. I've seen them look way more flat than this. Like she doesn't look like she's that like skinny at all. You're a hundred percent correct. Um, right. She was she was more plump than that, but you know, like I said, yeah, it, it's it's tricky. God damn, damn. Now you know one thing I did. You know one thing I was nerding out about when I had Brandon on the show last time was his switching over to just basically primarily feeding his green tree monitors crickets. Um, are you on that same tip or what do you, what are you, what's your dieting for the green or for the, I keep saying green tree, but for, for your tree monitors, what are you, what, what's your typical diet like for your, for yours? Yeah. So that, that's funny because we were having a lot of conversations about that um, prior to that episode. And I <laughs> start, you know, since I got them, like I use I'm from the mindset where like, for me, I kind of try to avoid a lot of rodents. And I have always just, I, I used to work at a, at a facility um, where we had a massive reptile collection and I was able to kind of see just over time with a lot of our monitors that were fed primarily rodents. Um, you know, they got some quail as well, um, but they ended up being really kind of bigger, chunkier, more lethargic. And I'm always of like the mind frame of keeping things like a little bit more lean. So I've always like, so since the day I got my monitors, which um, I think was about three years ago, three, three and a half years to four years, um, I've pretty much only fed insects and quail, egg, um, and only very rarely rodents. And so Brandon and I were having a lot of conversations about that. He was hitting me up because he was doing a lot of heavier rodents, but he was kicking butt and the guys produced a ton of animals with it. But he's kind of been going through and checking things out, revamping things like we all should and kind of analyze what we're doing. Do we need to make changes? Like, you know, uh, I think as keepers, we all do that. And if we're not doing that, you know, it's a good way to get left in the dust. So, 
you know, he, we were picking each other's brain and he was specifically asking me about dietary stuff and what I primarily feed with the insects. And, um, you know, I think it's the way to go for me personally. And so, and Brent, you know, Brandon did some further digging and pulled up some publications that, that showed, you know, a lot of katydids and orthopterans, which are your crickets, grasshoppers, katydids, um, are a big primary food source for them. So, you know, that, and I also look at tree monitors and I think, okay, they're living in an area that's equatorial. So it's warm all year round. So for seasonality with nesting of things like birds, they're nesting all season long. It's not here, like here in the mountains of North Carolina where birds are just now arriving from South America, Mexico, they're coming up here. They're just now starting to find mates. They're gonna soon build nests. And then all these snakes like black rat snakes and racers and so forth, they're going to be queuing in on these nests, feeding on babies, feeding on eggs. And it's this big boom where they have this time frame where they need to get these nests. But in PNG, little islands around PNG, like Batanta, Missoula, all these places where these animals are found, they literally have a nesting season for birds that is year round. So that was kind of my logic was like, the insects. And then if I'm going to do anything that's more meatier, I try to go into quail. I love doing day old quail and eggs. What about brown turkey? I've never done it. My, my, I just have never done it. No, my, well, here's the thing. Cause like I, uh, before the Brandon episode, you know, I was once a week or twice a week was giving them either like a fuzzy or a pinky mouse. Like I was giving them rodents, like, you know, like at least weekly. Right. Um, but then I would also, I would notice that the female wouldn't, wouldn't even want anything to do. Like she would eat it, but secretly, you know, but the one thing she loved taking off the forceps was the ground turkey. And that's like her fucking one. She loves, like I mix it up with some egg and whatnot. And I noticed she just goes to town on ground turkey. I eliminated the rodent. I don't feed them no more rodent. I do give them primarily uh, crickets, but once a week, just because I'm American and, you know, we're fat. Um, I just, I gotta give them, I gotta give them their treat, you know, like if she likes it, it makes me happy, you know? So, I don't know. We'll see, we'll see how that goes. It's organic. People do that with everything, man. Dogs, cats, they're reptiles. So, you know, a lot turkey's of people... a bird, but a turkey's a bird though. So that, I mean, I'm on it, you know? For sure. For sure. And you'll find that like certain animals will hold out. I mean, I had an animal that I got in that was a long-term captive. It was a yellow female and um, super picky with food. Um, and, you know, wouldn't touch a lot of the stuff I was offering her. And if you threw mice in there, boy, she found it. And it's like, she would hold out with everything else. So almost with some of them, I almost like would just, okay, this is what you're getting. This is what I'm going to offer you because it's, it's what I want you feeding on. And right. man, they'll hold out, you know, they'll skip some feedings and they won't take that stuff. But, uh, you know, they're weird. I, I have a male that like was pounding quail, stopped eating quail. It was a blue tree and um, just wouldn't eat quail for like eight months. And then all of a sudden, boom, loves them, goes nuts for him, will chase me around the room for him. So it's interesting with the food items. And there's a lot of options. And, you know, like I said, for, for a long time from what Brandon was telling me is he was he was doing a lot of rodents and was breeding a lot of animals. So um, but I just, I don't know if that's, you know, it's, I'm sticking more with insects and I know Brandon is now and, and, um, I like doing the quail. 
Yeah. I mean, it, it's, I feel like, uh, you can't go wrong with either insect or quail because, like you said, that's the primary source of what's happening around them. And I can tell you one thing that I've seen before, and I hope I never see again, is an obese, fat blue tree monitor at the San Diego Zoo. A big, I was like, dude, it can't be that big. I couldn't believe how big it was. And yeah. it was just, it was just chilling on a fucking log, and it looked like a goddamn water monitor. I was like, dude, this thing is. It was ginormous. Like I couldn't believe how big it was, and and I wasn't merely like tripping out on the the length. I was talking about how big the belly was. I was like, dude, this thing is fucking huge, and I'm pretty right. sure all they do is toss rodents to it at the uh, at the zoo. I'm assuming. Right. Yeah. You don't. Yeah. You don't want a fat tree monitor. No. Yeah. That's, they're not meant to be fat and lazy. They're meant to be alert and on top of their shit. You know what I mean? Like I feel like, and that's that's more of a kind of animal you should want versus something that doesn't know where it's at. You know. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I got to ask you, what's it like? What's it going to look like this year production wise? I'm curious. Are you, are you looking to per, per see, like uh, uh, surpass the 39 tree monitors that you did last year? Or are you going to hold back this year? What, what's going on this year? Uh, no, I don't think I'll surpass that because I made a big mistake, which was in the wintertime. Like I was waiting on a cage order. I use, a, I use AP cages. I love that company. But as a lot of people know, you know, they're slammed with orders and their turnaround time takes a very long time. And I ended up finding myself in a little bit of a caging crisis and I kind of got stuck with animals that I couldn't ship out. So I did not pair up. I didn't repair a good number, like the three pairs that I had because I was sitting on a good amount of babies. And that is biting me in the ass now because I'm just, you know, I just started getting my clutches, but I should have had, you know, if I would have kept going with my cycles, then yeah, I, I could have been on par to beat last year, but I gave them all a break um, and didn't pair anything up until maybe January. Um, and they went a good three, four months, like, a you know, a cycle or two. Um, before that, where I just separated them, didn't put them back together, didn't want to breed them because I'm like, I've got a ton of babies, I've got a ton of eggs in the incubator, and I'm like in this problem with with caging, and I couldn't find caging, and so uh, I stopped, and now I put everybody together in January, so stuff has just started cycling, and that kind of threw some of them off of their cycle. But I've got a clutch of blues, a clutch of yellows that are cooking right now that both look really good. And nice. um, I've got I've got everybody going back into their normal cycle now. So hopefully things will start swinging. But it definitely delayed me and um, kind of threw off my schedule, their schedule. So, But it'll catch back up. And, and I think it'll go even better, you know, this next season because I've got two, you know, a pair of each more going. I'm going to have you know, a few pairs of blues and couple pairs of yellows going so should be good i mean let's kind of talk about the incubation real quick you know as far as you know there's certain preference on temperatures from what i've heard and whatnot um and then you know i've also heard a lot of things could go down too you know like things could go from looking good to just like straight shit at certain points um for you you know if you know that the eggs are fertile do you usually have any issues like run into any problems or does it usually a go for you and if you don't mind telling me like what your incubation temperatures are when you're when you're cooking your eggs yeah um the you know, once you get fertile eggs that are you know for sure good they're usually pretty durable um and 
I would say, you know, so I, I've done mine at 85 degrees, which was mostly information that I had gathered from other breeders like Brandon and I um, and a couple other sources. And, you know, there's some literature out there as well that kind of shows ranges. So um, that's kind of been, you know, once you get good eggs and they're, you know, I think some some folks do them a little bit cooler, maybe in the lower 80s, but I just haven't done it because I know it works. Um you know, whether or not there's like any tor any sort of like um, TSD temperature sex determination with it. I don't know. I don't know if there's any information on that out there. Um, you know, it's like lots of times when you find a formula that's working really good, you don't necessarily want to mess it up and start tinkering around with things, especially when it comes to tree monitors. But um, it's something that, you know, I hope some people do in the future and I'd like to do um, because, I definitely ended up at least last year pretty female heavy. So, um, but that was like a like a straight cook at like eighty five, maybe a, t a degree drop at night. So. Wow. Okay, and, and then usually around what day are you seeing pits? Um, usually like around like I'm I'm usually at around like five, like around one hundred and forty eight, hundred and fifty around there. 150 okay. days. Yeah. Okay. And, and how many, like, for instance, a female laid for you about how many times last year on the average? Um, I'd have to go back. Normally it's about every three to four months. Right. So about two, one day that's like, yeah. wow. That's and, and, and that's, and here's the thing a lot of people don't understand. If a female is dialed in and she's comfortable, she likes the nest box. Dude, it's like clockwork the way they lay from what I've heard. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It was it was so much to the point where I had kind of had like I needed to take a break and had enough and stuff. Oh, I want that problem. What the fuck? Like, I mean, no offense. I'm just saying, like, what, dude, like that's just so sick to be like, I'm I'm hatching too many green or too many tree monitors out. <laughs> It was it was ridiculous. It, it was uh it was a good year. Last year was a crazy year for everyone. I mean, the amount of different species that um, hatched out was was awesome. It was an epic year. So 2021 is going to be hard to beat. You never know, man. Set the bar, baby. You know, I, I feel like it's, uh, you know, it's just all based off your performance. You obviously had an amazing performance last year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel grateful for it. And, and again, grateful to some good people who have been, you know, paving the way. So hats off to a lot of those guys who have been doing it before all of us. So. Let's kind of talk about what that was able, like, you know, for instance, obviously you sold a good amount of tree monitors that probably funded something else that you're probably passionate about, right? Or or what exactly did you do? Or what is it that you like to do when you have like a good year and something like that? Like, do you like to invest that in another project? Do you like to invest it into like crypto or like what what exactly you like to do with like your 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 monopoly money, as I like to call it, because that's what it is. Yeah, um, that's a good question. Um, I did purchase some some animals last year that were like, you know, kind of like little, little keystone rocks and keys that just fit into places like little gaps that I needed in the collection. Like I was short on some males and a couple species and got that I, you know, that helped to fund. And, you know, I to be honest, it 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 paid me back from the initial investment that I put into the tree monitor project because I spent a ton of money getting into it. And with the caging and had, 
you know, a room that, that I had built out, dedicated to them. So I was in the hole quite a bit. Um, so yeah, most of that money was to pay myself back with what I invested because I invested a lot into that. Um, the overflow, kind of since I've been a kid, along with the with the reptiles and amphibians, I've been an orchid nut. So this year I'm gonna I'm, I'm trying to get a greenhouse going, and wow. that'll be my happy place where I can you know just hang out, have morning coffee, and be surrounded by orchids. So that's my jam. Something about greenery, and I'm not talking about the stuff that I smoke. I mean, even though that does keep me like happy, but like a greenhouse is definitely a high goal of mine someday. Like, and, and and you know, as much as I love animals and I love the farm life, something about just walking into a greenhouse full of just amazing plants is just sound. It just sounds so dreamy, you know. Like it's just yeah, someday. my yeah, it'd be ultimate to be able to do your reptiles in a greenhouse because right. sometimes when you're indoors and you're putting in hours, like with the collection that I have. I've, put a lot of time in there i've got you know employees that help me out and you put a lot of time in there and when you're stacked floor to ceiling with enclosures there's not really a lot of natural light that's in there so it can get pretty difficult but man i was thinking like what if you blew the roof off of that thing and you put you know some polycarbonate or glass on there so you were letting in light and uh you know you could have yourself a greenhouse with reptiles in it you follow this guy from france this guy from uh he's he's uh I believe so. Dude, so check this out. He has something really similar, like pretty close to what we're talking about. Because this is this is actually inside his tree monitor room right here. Oh, nice little skylights. That's the way. And then if you look at his enclosures too, which I'm obsessed. Like, he has plants like that. He just pulls out of all these enclosures right here. Um. So yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. That's really. So, all right. I mean, other than, you know, I would love to just keep this topic on tree monitors going, but you obviously, you obviously have passions elsewhere. You, 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 you're good at, uh, other types of breeding species like the geckos, right? Your, your, your geckos is a big part of your, your game plan that you have going on, right? Yes. And, yes. uh, what, what species of geckos are you more, you know, passionate about? What is the, the prime ingredient when it comes to geckos for you? Yeah. So, um, probably the, the two main species, like I work with a lot of different species. Um, the two that kind of take the cake, um, as far as what I'm most known for, um, are the northern spiny-tailed geckos, which are the Strophurus ciliaris. This one right here. Um, let's see. Where you, if you the one with the white background. The white. This one right here. Yeah, with that orange tail. Yeah. This one? Whoa, that is fucking sick looking. Wow. It's so badass. It's it is a dragon. It's a oh. mini dragon. That's my favorite gecko species. Um, Dude, that is so neat. Yeah. They've got, you know, what's crazy too is their their defense mechanisms. If something goes after them, you know, out in the wild, they don't they don't do it to you in captivity unless you really irk them wrong or accidentally pinch their tail and something, but They've got these little pores in their tail that they can spray out this sticky glue um, that smells like a stink bug. Um, and it's just a really cool defense mechanism. They'll raise that tail up over their back and can spray it. There's some cool YouTube videos that you can see of different um, species. I've seen a picture of that before, of, the, of one of these lizards spraying that shit out of their tails. So I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, so that's the genus Strophurus. I only work with that species now. Um, just cause they're like a lot of the stuff I work with 
it, it's usually something that's variable. It has to be polymorphic. So with these, you can get all different sorts of colorations, high black, high orange, high yellow. Wow. Um, so they, and, and they've, they've got those eye spines that, you know, they just look like miniature dragons. So I love them. And the other species that I'm, that I'm most known for are the Kahua, which um, are just, you know. You're right here, my tripping. Correct. Yeah. Wow. And I only work with the Pine Island form, um, but that's a species that uh, is just, I'm probably, you know, is, is one of my specialties that I kind of focus on and dominates my collection. Um, so, yeah, those are another incredible species that come in all different sorts of colors. If you if you click out of that and zoom or scroll up, there is a photo or actually, yeah, oh, that's a video, never mind. Um, but they come in all different sorts of colors. That's so, right here? Yeah, I mean, you've got whites, green. Dude, that is green. sick. Oh, the green one. Wow, that is so sick. You'd be proud of that name, MJ. That's skunk right there. I got another one named Kush. So we got a couple buddies for you. What's up with the breeding project on skunk? I want in. <laughs> That's amazing, bro. His offspring, Turbo Skunk. Uh, <laughs> turbo Skunk? Wow. <laughs> but yeah, there's a ton of variation in the color with this species, which is one of the things that you know I really love about them. There's been a, a real big push to getting high white animals. Um, those are a couple of Australian species of leaftail. That's the rough-throated leaftail on the left, the riverine leaftail on the right. Um, both of those are really cool. I mean, how many people out there are actually breeding stuff like this? I mean, how, I'm just just trying to figure out how niche of a market this is. Um, there's a good amount of people breeding the New Caledonian stuff, less so of the Australian species. Both of those that are up on that photo are extremely easy to care for. So a lot of people are, are kind of working with those more and are having a lot of success. Um, right. They breed very well, very readily. Um, and they don't, they're, you know, like a lot of people think when they think of leaf tails, they think of like the Madagascan species, which are a lot more temperamental, more finicky. You know, they'll drop on you out of nowhere. Um, these guys are kind of like, way, they're just way more durable. Um, right. They're more, yeah. So they're very common now as far as like i shouldn't say very common they're becoming more common in the, in the hobby and, and you know as far as like price range goes like i mean what's what's an average price on something like this if it was at a show or if these were available like what, i'm just curious um so usually like the amnicola which is the the one on the right um unsexed juveniles you're looking at around 400 bucks um oh. the species on the left is um somewhere in the 800 to thousand dollar range um so and the, and that species on the left gets huge they get very very large so oh, i love that <laughs> but but okay now, now now there's a whole different you know price market you know when it comes to these being adults right and if you wanted to purchase these that are like ready to breed i mean that the, the, the price would be a whole different ball game i'm assuming right correct okay and what would that be? Just curious. Like, what would a breeding pair of these go for? Um, the Amnicola, the species on the right, you'd be somewhere around maybe fifteen hundred. Um, the species on the left, the rough-throated leaftails, um, maybe around three to thirty-five hundred. 
respect. Yeah. I mean, and, and then you know, with with all this being said, I mean, which one do you feel is on? I mean, which one do you feel is going to be the one that blow up quicker? You know, not that any of them aren't going to blow up, but which one do you feel like is more going to be like the the people grabber out of out of any of them? If you could pick, that's a tough question. Um, the leaf tails are kind of more of like a, a niche species that you know not everybody jumps into, and I think I I wonder if a lot of that is because of the Madagascan species. Like there's a handful of people who have done really well with Madagascan species. And I feel like a long time ago they were battling dealing with imports, but now some real dedicated breeders out there have done a great job with them and are producing captive bred offspring. Um, but I just wonder if that possibly scares people from some of the Aussie leaf tails. But once you get into Australian species, you're kind of hooked and, Either one of those are a great choice. They're both, you know, they each have their own price point. You know, you're looking at, you know, again, 400 to like 800, um, 850, you know, but again, they can, they can go up. It just, it depends on what you're trying to get. If you want a sex pair, if you want babies. Is this a, is this a production of yours right here? This red Neo? I can't see it. This red Conjo right here. Oh, it's oh, it's not. Oh, my bad. Did I delete it? My bad. Hold on. I'm still going through your page, geeking out. My bad. If it's on, if it's on the page, yeah, that that is one of my productions. I thought these were like no longer in your life, buddy. Now, now we're gonna have to talk about this. This is fucking fire right here. So yeah, you still photos? Yes. So I, when I had kind of like gotten heavier into the geckos and started phasing out, I kept a handful of hatchlings that I had produced and one I would acquired another animal that was from uh, a friend of mine that was up in Chicago that was unrelated. Um, right. And I kind of just kept them as like, I'll never not have chondros in my life. I need to keep them, you know, and they're just too cool of animals and uh, I raised them up and they just kind of took a backseat to everything. And next thing you know, they're ready to breed. And I'm just like, didn't have, you know, tons of expectations as they weren't my focus anymore. And, uh, yeah. Ended up being, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Up, bro, they're, oh my God. Conqueros don't give a fuck about them. It's like trying to, it's like trying to find the hot girl of your dreams. You know, it's only yeah. going to happen is when you don't give them any attention. You know what I'm yep. saying? Like a hundred percent, you neglect them and then they come running. Yeah. They, I mean, this, I had two pairs going last year and was able to get a clutch from both pairs. And uh, there were some knockouts, really nice stuff. I ended up moving a chunk of the babies, but I've got a core group of those offspring that are just insane. Bro, this is fucking flame right here. They're super, super dark. And they've got a lot of blue lineage in them. Yeah, well, what's the background? Are any of these leading to Greg Maxwell's stock at all? Or what's, what's the background on these? Um, man, I, I, I'd have to go through the pedigree on, on, on everybody, but one of them, like the founder that really is like a, a special animal to me was one that I had gotten when I was in high school and, you know, I'm going to be turning 40 years old this year. And, um, he was an animal that I got from Aaron and Buddy Goetzker at, a, at their old company called Arboreal Adventures. No longer in business, no longer dealing with chondros, but they were putting out some really crazy stuff. 
And I had gotten a mail from them that was from this pairing of uh, Flex and Grasshopper. And that mail was awesome. Just had a lot of really nice blue highlights in them. And um, so, you know, he was responsible for producing some of those offspring that I held back, which then are producing the offspring now. So. Oh, man. I have to ask you, you know, because it's so much like, what if, you know, with these fucking conjure eggs, you know, establishing this clutch that we're looking at, how did that go? Was that kind of like a walk in the park for you or did you struggle a little bit? What, what was it like establishing these? Um, one clutch, absolutely bulletproof, pounding food. Like I couldn't believe it, you know, just taking food right out the gates like it was nothing. And then the other clutch that I had was a little bit trickier. But um, I think, you know, out of, out of everybody between both the clutches, I think maybe, you know, there, there was a couple animals that were really weak that didn't make it, but uh, the majority of them were great feeders and did really well and they're getting pretty big now. So they're just about to go through uh, onto Genesis and start showing their colors. So. Yeah, that's awesome. And they were born what time? They were born last year around when? Oh man, I'd have to look. I'd have to look exactly and see. So they're are they, are they, are they exactly. approaching, yeah. if, they're, if they're already going through their they're approaching a year. They're approaching a year. Yeah, okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. Awesome. yeah. Wow, what a trip. I mean, and, and you know, what's your I mean, obviously we can't predict the future, right? But if things were to go in the in the right positive direction, what's your overall goal with the condos you feel like? What would you like to have? What would you like to happen? The condos again, I still view them for me as like just a side project that I enjoy because I love the species. Um, I'm not trying to build like a massive collection of them. Um, I see myself holding back a handful of these animals just because they're really nice. And if I can swap with somebody or acquire some stuff that's, you know, unrelated, that'd be great. You know, but it's such a pleasure now to have like, you know, this whole testing and, and being able to test for NIDO, because back right. in the day, when I was in the heat of it all. That didn't right. exist. And now yeah. it's like, you know, it's a thing. And it was kind of an adjustment. I'm like, oh, wow, I'm getting back into the world of, like, selling condros and, and you know, potentially buying some. It's just like, yeah, things have changed since I've been gone. But uh, it's it's a luxury, I feel like, now. I'm glad that it was figured out at least. And so. I'm glad you said that because, like, people still look at it like, oh, well, it's not important. When it's like, bro, why, why, like, why even try to play that game when you could avoid it by finding out for sure? And I don't know how many times people have come to me because of this. You know, I would tell you like this: this podcast is a double-edged sword, I and mean, I'll tell you why in a second. Yeah, because people get all excited about condos, which it, condos are something to get excited about, but they'll fucking go hunt, 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 and then find that ad: adult pair of condos for sale. Blah blah blah, you know, and 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 they'll they'll get it, no questions asked, and and I'll tell them like, dude, ask for a nido test. Like, are they willing to nido test at least? And you know, if they're not, then maybe consider not buying that snake. Like, maybe like, you know, right. there, there's always a red flag when that shit happens. I feel like, and I don't know with condros, I feel like you're really fucking testing yourself by just going straight to adults and trying to inquire adults versus seeing if you're at least capable of establishing a neonate first, you know, that's just how I feel. I don't want to get too right. right. Yeah. There's, there's different, different takes on it. I mean, I can see, 
you know, with a species like that that takes so long to reach sexual maturity, it's uh, people don't necessarily want to wait five or six years for a female to become ready to go. So it's tempting to want to do that. And I know some folks who've done it and have been successful going that route, but um, I had always started, you know, and with most of my stuff, I usually try if when the option is there is to get stuff as babies and grow it up. And, but uh, that just makes the heartbreak even worse if you <laughs> raise the thing up for six years and then uh, it's finally ready to go and no dice. <laughs> so, I mean, if we could just talk real right now, uh, Brian, what is it out of everything you work with that you look and count towards like financially the most? Like what is it something that you rely on the most financially out of everything you work on? Yeah, it's been probably the geckos. And then after last year, I, I have to show some respect to the tree monitors as well. So, but you know, prior to the tree monitors, prior to last year's, you know, success with those, it was, it's been geckos. The geckos have, have done well. I've done well with geckos and um, yeah, that's kind of what I've, carved a name for myself in so and geckos they obviously need to be kept in cooler temps right so they're not probably kept in the same room as your monitors or are they um it depends on the species some of the aussie species like it hot um and then you've got others like some of these cave geckos that you know like it really cool um so it's a it's a matter of like even finding like micro habitats in your room so you know i'm lucky that i've got an outbuilding where i keep everything that's like uh you know so I, i'm not living amongst the animals like i, I used to um and so I'm, i've got you know different climate controlled rooms that are in my facility where i can you know control that main room to the desired temps that i want while still micro adjusting each of the cages to what they need so something that's like a cooler species you know i'm going to be keeping it lower down to the ground almost on the floor whereas something that likes it warmer um you know i'm giving it halogen bulbs and t5 uvs and uh keeping them like mid-range to higher level um so the answer to that is cold and hot depends on the species and you know, no disrespect to the geckos. Just so you know, man, I love them, Brian. I mean, yeah. I do. They're you're awesome. But I wanted to let you know how fucking ridiculously hard it is to keep my my focus right now. I can't fucking keep my eyes off your chondros, bro. Like, look at this thing. This is just so fire, bro. Like, I'm I'm actually yeah. pissed off at the, all the people who referred me to you and didn't even mention anything about chondros. Nobody did. They all talked about your gecko and fucking monitor game. They didn't they never once talk. Actually, I take that back. I think Alex told me. I think somebody, I, you know, hold on. I think, I think somebody told me about how you were into chondros and then something happened. You got out. Can we, can we talk about the, the what happened on when you, like, you know, I, 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 I know it might be touchy and whatnot, but like, what was it that happened that made you get out of chondros? Um, you know, I had, I had some failures back in the day. I'd, you know, again, I'd started with most of everything that was, I bought his babies um, and raised them up and put a lot of time into them. And, you know, back then you just, again, you would hear of people who have, you know, there's, there's names that are running through my head right now, folks who had collections and it was not uncommon for animals to just drop. And I can't say based off of fact or any sort of evidence, it's all a hypothesis based on what we know now about NIDO, but 
I feel like that was something that drove a lot of people away. And I had lost a handful of my animals, um, you know, unknown RI causes. Um, and it just kind of was like, man, it, you know, when, when you're working and putting the kind of money that I put into it back in the day and, and waiting that long and then you're having, you know, failures in that department, it can test you, you know, and, and in reptile keeping, we all deal with failures. You know, you it's inevitable. You're going to have failures. Every species you keep, um, all the species that I have, I can give you some sort of failure that I've had. And I think anybody out there who's being real and honest will tell you the same thing. Um, but with the chondros, you know, before I had gotten into them, I grew up just like I love everything. I love it all. You know, I'm not just a, you know, total gecko guy. I, you know, it's everything. And um, it had gone like geckos. It was like, since, you know, if you were to look at a timeline, it was like snakes, geckos, snakes, you know, and then it went like mostly chondros. And then we, you know, then I went into the geckos harder. And I kind of like, once I realized some of the speed, like once I knew I was going to be in a place settled again, I really started focusing more on geckos and it kind of just, I started phasing out some of the chondros and like what I have, I have, I've got these babies that I produced and I'm not going to put my full focus into them. I have some. And if I, you know, if they do great with me, then awesome. And I've had them for a long time. Um, right. You know, I don't know exactly how old they are now, but it's, you know, eight years now, maybe nine, maybe more, maybe 10. Uh, I've had I've had some of them for quite a while, but uh, yeah, they're you know. So I don't know if I really answered your question. <laughs> no, yeah, you did, and, and I'm just curious, you know, as far as like you know, because technically you don't know what it really was that caused whatever bad experience that you were having at that time, because it was a different era, you know. And I mean, nowadays, if something rolls on you, it takes you 48 hours at tops to find out what happened to that snake if you have a kit and you're ready to go. Which I stay yeah. on deck with the swabs i have like 50 swabs ready to go i'm ready to rock you know i don't fuck around with that i had a chondro and you know here's last year i had a chondro who got like she I, you know based off what i was approached like looking she was going to ovulate and i was like waiting for it you know and then uh you know she, it looks one morning i come in she's rolled over dead and i'm like what the fuck and i go and i get her tested and she's nido positive and i'm like got to be fucking kidding me so of course i test the whole room test that mail pull the mail the mail's fucking out in the trap you know doing it's separate from it's this room here mail comes back pot all three tests comes back negative like they he, he doesn't have nido even though he was rocking and smashing with this fucking snake for i don't know how long like i think three four months they were paired up and everything was going wet you know from what i can see but it you know didn't show any sign of ri either it just rolled it just fucking came in and was dead and i was like what and then this year um i have a snake different scenario monoquary who actually you know was getting locked um and she had bubbles coming out of her mouth so she had she had like ri right so i'm like oh my god here we go again i started tripping out you know and i, I got her tested and she came back negative thank god you know i'm gonna get her tested again in about 30 days but came back negative and she seemed to recover off of it okay like it seems like you know i i had um I hit her with Fortas. Um, I have an incubation, incubation technique that I learned from Gary Shavino and, and uh, Marshall Mendes that, you know, you put the incubator for a couple of days and it seems to like, you know, kick it, you know, and, and sure enough, it did. What was crazy though, I'll tell you just recently, um, 
the last day I was going to pull her out of the incubator, I noticed some. It looked like a, it looked like skin flap on the side of her mouth. Like I, I, it literally looked like it was a piece of her skin. And I was like, "What the fuck is that?" So I get like you know one of those medical wooden fucking things, and I open up her mouth, and she had all this cheese shit stuck to the roof of her mouth. It was fucking disgusting. Don't know what it was, but I got a Q-tip and cleaned it all out. And it it's all the thing is, I just don't know how long it was sitting in there for. I because I, I, I never looked at her mouth. But, that was something that you'd see in animals that, that would have RI. I mean, I'd lost a few animals to that, like an unknown RI symptoms. Right. And uh, yeah, that was the worst, man. When you see an animal that has that, you just feel bad for them. It's like, damn. Yeah. You know, hard for them to breathe and, and so forth. But uh, yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. Well, I mean, she's recovered. I mean, I, I mean, knock on wood. The thing is, I haven't, I haven't fed her yet, but she's, uh, she just, she's going into shed right now, which is good, right? You know, so we'll see what happens. I do know that I'm keeping an eye on her mouth. Her mouth is completely clean now. It's her gums nice. look good. Everything like I'm, I'm, I don't know if that was this aftermath and it was just sitting there from all her other bullshit that she was doing, but it was like, it was surreal, man. I couldn't believe the shit I was looking at. It was wow. It's the real deal shit that you really, you know, you know, as much as like something, if she does die, like I will never forget what I went through with that snake, like seeing that. Right. Like, what an right. experience. That's all I got to say. But like, you know, I feel like a lot of people are so scared to either experience a failure or to talk about a failure that they go through in this for whatever reason. But actually, it, it makes you stronger. Like it actually progresses you into what you're doing and it builds confidence because yeah. once you go. Once you go through it, you're ready. You're ready if it comes again. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I don't know. Like, I feel like people shouldn't just be so scared to fuck up because it's gonna happen. Like you said, like fucking up is inevitable. Like it's it's gonna happen. Like, and just, just embrace yeah. it. You know, we're human. You gotta if you're gonna fail, you gotta fail forward. You know, and it's uh, with there's there's a handful of species that I got, and you know, the first time working with them, like man, I had a hard time breeding them. It couldn't do this. You know, you lose an animal here, or there, and then it's like. Right. And you really dial it in. Um, and again, we're, we're lucky in this day and age that there's a lot of people who've been doing this for a long time. Um, a lot of old heads out there who've got some really good information and you can pull from that. And, uh, you know, it's not like you're starting from scratch. So, you're, you're you know, some species, sure, there's not much known on them. But for the most part, stuff like chondros, you know, a lot of the guys you mentioned, like Gary and Marshall, they've been in the game for a long time and Greg and you know, there's a lot of them. So we're lucky. Now, since you have your hands dabbled in, 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 in a few species here, uh, you know, the, the, the tree monitors for sure. I could see that being something where if you start producing those, people are going to find you, right? But, you know, a lot of people fucking produce geckos. You know, I'm not going to say produce your specific geckos. But a lot of people work with geckos. So what was it that you did to kind of brand yourself in the beginning when start when you started getting into the gecko game when nobody knew who you were? Um, I think the, the easiest thing to really, you know, the most important thing is you want to get your hands on the best stock possible. It's the bottom line. You want to get the best animals you can get. It's going to be, you know, if you're looking, depending on how you're taking it, right. If you're interested in keeping a species and you're just into it for that hobby perspective and, you know, you want to keep something that's cool. It doesn't really matter if it's a, you know, for instance, like, with a Kahua, you're looking at a, you could get one that's baseline for 400 bucks, or, you know, there's animals that have sold for $35,000. 
So it you don't need to spend crazy money to get something like that if you want to start out and get a baseline example of of the species, produce them, you know, and enjoy it that way. If you're looking at it from a business perspective, then you can go about it two ways. You can still go with, you know, entry level animals that you start and you sell entry level animals to other people that helps build you know, the interest, the hobby with folks. And then, you know, as they start keeping stuff, they want to get the next best thing. They want to get, you know, they want to get something that's a little bit nicer, different color or so forth. It's more expensive. Um, or, you know, if, if you're in a situation where like, yeah, man, I want to do this as a business. I want to get my hands on the best stuff that there is. Um, you want to go at it for getting animal genetics, you know. Um, you can buy animals that are lower expression you know, phenotypes, they're not showing all these crazy traits that you want, but they're from really nice pairings that have the potential to produce that. And that can be a budget way of getting into that. Um, or if you got fat stacks of cash, you can just go all out and, you know, throw the money around and get what you want, um, which some different ways to go about it. So, but I, you know, I got lucky with like some of the species that I was working with. I just, you know, I, got in at a good time and found a lot of people who are producing quality stuff you know for the for the kahua example i i found a guy who was selling his collection and that became a cornerstone for me um i tried to just pull from as many people as i could to get really nice stuff and just built it up and over time you know it just kind of been can i've been working with the geckos like when i got serious back into like lizards mostly gecko species it was like 2011, 2010. Um, and so, you know, before that, I took a little break and then it was condros even before that. And then, you know, whatever. And, and for the most part, your gecko sales are coming from shows online. Like, where do you, where are the majority of your. I'll be your... I've got a website, um, shows. I, I started doing some shows just because I'm in the, you know, I'm like down in the Southeast now. So I'm hitting some of those up. You know, Tinley Park is my home, to, you know, it's. It's back home. So every time I always go to every Tinley NARBC because my family lives 45 minutes north of there. So it's it's an easy thing for me to do. I get to see family and I get to go to the show. But I do online shows um, and social media. You know, I get a lot of a lot of interest on social media. Social media, man. You know, as much as it's like, you know, fucking damn social media. I love social media without it. I don't know what I would do. I mean, I, I feel like I would be forced to go to shows, even though there's nothing with shows that I feel like is bad. But me, with my ADD and how I love just being in the scene, I'm I feel like I'm I'm not ready for shows yet. I'm just too new. I want to be involved, like you know what I'm saying. And and also too, like I'm already like accepting losses the way they come here with how I have things. Not that things are just dying on me, but like I understand how losses can come working with so many different types of species, but. Losses come when you travel and do shows, man. Like when you're fucking commuting and getting these things shipped to you or you're going on road trips and there's there's so many things at stake when you're doing that. And I just like I don't see myself ever willing to risk my animals yet right now. I'm good right now. Like I just Well, thank you for saying that because that jogs a bit of my memory. I was, you know, thinking about your question about like me kind of moving out of condros towards the end of me, like in the middle, like there's a, there's a good chunk of time when I was working with them where I was doing a ton of travel, 
I mean, I was out of the country all the time, having people take care of my stuff. And the bottom line is, yeah, you're not able to keep an eye on your animals like that. So when you are doing that sort of travel, there, there's going to be issues with, uh, with care. You know, if things aren't done the way you want it. You're going to do it better than anybody else. So it's just kind of the way it goes. But so sundown reptiles bros i mean i got it is that like a one-man crew or like how many people really rocking with you and helping you carry this legacy that you started um it's it's uh i've got one part-time employee who comes a few days a week to help out and then the majority of it is with you know done by me and then i've got you know another really a really skilled keeper who comes and handles the collection when i'm out of town nice. so Kind of like three people, but mostly two, me and one other person. So, and you know, I feel like you know, I mean, the rate I'm going and this, you know, especially because I travel a lot for the show, um, I already know like I'm better off finding someone who I can trust and, and, and get to help me, right? But it's not easy to do, bro. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm I have trust issues. A, B, I want, I want everything done my way, which. There is multiple ways of doing one thing right. And I'm just like, fuck you. This is how I do it. But like, how did you kind of get into the mind frame of either training somebody or trusting somebody to take over the ropes and you being okay with it and, and sleeping okay? You got to have that. You, you got to, <laughs> it takes a leap of faith, first of all. Yeah. Um, when I go through the process of, dealing with like, like finding an employee. I mean, I, man, it's tough. I, I like someone who really doesn't have a lot of knowledge about taking care of reptiles, to be honest with you. Yeah, I like to be someone who doesn't come in, who like thinks they know everything and they have their way of doing things. I kind of like to start with someone from scratch and um, this may sound sexist, but I, I, I do appreciate having like, if I'm going to hire someone, historically, women have always done a better job. <laughs> so I'm sexist against men in that respect. Um, yeah, men are pigs. Fuck them. I've, I've, you know, just like the the team that I have right now are they're two women and they they kick butt and um, they pay a lot of attention to detail on stuff. And granted, I mean, you can have issues with anybody from anywhere around, but you know. Um, yeah, it's tough, man. You, you know, just you got to get a vibe off of somebody. You can tell if, like, they're the type of person where, like, if you go through and you're walking them through your collection, you know, if you do an interview with them and you're sitting down and they're walking through and they're taking notes, that's a good thing, right? If you have someone who's taking notes on stuff and you can find out real quick, like, if I do hire someone, it's, there's always a trial period at the beginning. Right. And you can tell if they're just like, oh, yeah, looking at you saying, uh-huh, uh-huh, okay. And then they don't do it. It's like, okay, you're clearly not listening or paying attention to that. And, you know, again, the squad I've got right now, they're just attention to detail and they do a great job. And I'm great, very grateful for the people that help me. So at the end of the day, it's hard for anyone to love the animals the way you love your animals because they're your animals, right? But right. a girl, her empathy naturally is so much more genuine and bigger than a guy. And it is true. Like a girl will generally want to take care of an animal more thoroughly than a fucking brute male would. And that's just the fucking fact. And, and, and I will tell you one thing, one thing that opened my eyes is, you know, Brian Barczyk, I had a conversation with Brian Barczyk a while ago 
and he had an employee that who I thought I was like, man, this must be a really good employee. But it turns out that the employee wasn't that great of an employee. He was the type of employee that couldn't notice that there was no water in the water dish and it, he just skipped it, you know, like that kind of missing thing. And, and there are people out there who don't mean to neglect an animal. They just don't get it. Like some people just don't get it. And that's yeah. why, I, that's why I feel like this isn't for everybody. As much as everyone wants to get a monitor, as much as everyone wants to get a fucking snake, dude, some people can't keep simple things alive. And that is true. <clears throat> and that's and that. and I don't care what your money is or who your connections are, or who your friends are, dude, I don't give a fuck. You better be doing the research or knowing how to take care of something before you go out there and buy it. Cause you, you I mean, you know, it's easy to get anything you want on your hands on nowadays. I mean, it's, it's out there. Like go to fucking kingsnake.com. Go to, go to uh, fauna, go to any bro. Like, that's, I'll, that's what led my addiction to anything but ball pythons, bro, was just finding out that you have importers that are the most piece of shit people who will just dump things on you for like, oh, you got money Ooh, at your doorstep. And you're like, wow, cool. Yeah. It's yeah. dead, though. <laughs> Jeez. That's true. That is that's true. So- I guess, you know, it's, it's, it's it, it, yeah, it just boils down to personality types of stuff, I guess. Like, I keep thinking back to my, my comments about, yeah, like, you know, prefer, like, the attention to detail and being woman, but you know, there's, I've got some buddies who are phenomenal keepers and it's just, it's all, it all boils down to personality. You know, if you get someone who's on it and is, uh, pays attention to detail, then, you know, that's what you want. But, uh, remember yeah. we're talking, we're talking, the, like, if we're, if we're talking the non reptile lover compared to a guy and a girl, I would rather go with a girl. If we're talking about two people who don't give two shits about reptiles, who are, but like, who's who are you? Who you feel more comfortable going with? Who's gonna love the animal for it being an animal? I I, I don't give a fuck. Call me sexist. I will go with a girl all day. <laughs> I'm sitting here trying to play safe. <laughs> no, throw that shit on me, MJ, right here. Throw it on me, right here. <laughs> but you know, I will say though too, man. I mean, it, it it is case by case, bro. I mean, I don't know. It's just so tough. And uh, I mean, dude, guess who my best keeper is when I'm not here? Guess your lady, your wife. My wife and I have I have a handful of homies I could trust on. Nothing against them, but they ain't got shit on my wife, bro. My wife has post-its everywhere. The whole note-taking thing, none of those fuckers ever take notes when I say, hey, I need the water. They go, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. My wife, she has every – like when I'm not here, you'll see post-its everywhere. Like she just sticks them. That's the personality you want. That is the exact personality you want because honestly – Reptile keeping, I always say this, reptile keeping is cooking. It's yes. following a recipe, right? Dude, that's epic. I love it. I yes. love to cook. I love it. That's amazing, bro. If you if you write down whatever species you're keeping at your place, if you write down and you've got the care down pat and you write down notes of exactly what needs to be done, if, if whoever is watching your animals comes in and follows that list, it should be fine. Granted, there's little nuances, like things that you learn in time, like, you know, in a cage, like for instance, I'll mount up some some substrate in an area and I'll notice like I put it in one specific area. So I know that if an animal goes and digs, I can see that it's been dug in. But like that comes with time. But aside from that, it is following a recipe. Right. And sticking to it. And, 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 and I got to ask you, like, what's what's one recipe or I mean, I'm sorry, like what's one Thing that you have going on for you that you keep per like 
animal? Like, do you have an index card or like what exactly? How how are you keeping your notes per animal? Yeah, good question. The um, so like with a lot of my stuff that I keep, like for instance, we'll say a good number of my geckos and tree monitors, you know, especially. Um, I've got index cards that go into a little plastic sleeve that are magnetized to the cage. So I can just pluck that plastic sleeve off, pop it back on, pull the index card out. If I got a clutch of eggs, I'm writing it down. If I'm noting any breeding behavior, I'm marking it down. Anything that is significant, I'm taking notes on. Um, The place where that lacks in my care is when I, you know, for some species, like with my gargoyle geckos that I keep communally, Sometimes it can be tricky if you've got a, you know, two to three females in an enclosure per one male. It can be tricky to find out exactly who laid. Um, so with them, my note taking is a little bit more, you know, it's it's a little bit difficult, right? You can see a female and tell if she laid, but sometimes, like when you're doing a communal group, it can be trickier. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, I feel like it's as long as you have something in play, you know, and something that is keeping you on top of what your do, uh, the due diligence needs to be for the animal. And uh, I don't know. I, I love that, that that analogy, comparing what we do with the reptiles to cooking, because it's the same shit. Yeah, it really yeah. is. Once you get it down. I mean, so overall goal with the shows is what i mean do you have a certain amount of shows that you want to attend a year do you want to eventually not have to do shows what what's your overall goal at this point with shows you know i've only done like prior years i just would go to tinley twice a year and again it was killing two birds with one stone seeing family and vending um but now like my production has kicked up into a higher gear we're doing some shows is beneficial um you know especially like if, for instance, with some of the new Caledonian gecko species, there's such a wide spectrum in quality that you can have that determines price point, right? You can go to the, you know, you can go to your local adoption clinic and adopt a, you know, $200 dog, or you could spend 15, 25K on a dog, right? It's the same thing with a lot of these geckos. It's the same thing with chondros. It's the same thing with ball pythons. And I feel like one of the things that's most important, like that I, I find this super important that I think a lot of breeders don't necessarily, and again, it depends on your goals, but I think it's having that spectrum of animals so that you can have the lower end entry animals and the high end. And when you sell that low end stuff, that gets people into it. And then over time, they want to build up their collection. You know that reptiles are addicting. So if they buy a baseline chondro or a lichianus, they're gonna want some. They're gonna want the you know they want the high blue. They want the melanistic animal. They want that next step up. Reptiles are addicting, so I feel like it's important and it justifies your pricing at a show or online, right? Yeah, you're just selling high end stuff. You're selling to a very small group of people, right? But when you're selling that wide spectrum, you're putting multiple lines out in the pond for all different people. And you're going to build clients that are going to want the higher end stuff. And that is why I do shows. So you're not always selling like the highest end stuff at a show. Tinley's different. A lot of people bring like crazy stuff to Tinley and I've sold some really nice stuff at Tinley, but the local shows, especially in the Southeast, 
you know, there's a lot of people who are kind of getting into the hobby and they want some animals that, you know, are kind of more entry level. So I do a lot of the shows for those people. And, you know, again, you end up selling something to somebody, they come back the next show and they end up wanting something that's a step up and a step up and so forth. I feel like, you know, as much as <clears throat> there's so much importance behind a show, right? Bender and, and, and attendee wise, right? Mm-hmm. But what, said is the thing that will always stick to me and justin gabelka is one that that told me this um because he, he you know he would he doesn't do this anymore i mean i'm not that he won't ever again but i know he's not this year and he used to like come all the way to anaheim and pomona and set up and i'm like dude fuck what a commute like you know like and i would ask him you know because for the most part <clears throat> anaheim window shoppers it's a bunch of people in orange county and fucking they're not going to really yeah. buy it a seven, eight thousand dollar Belka snake, you know. I'm not gonna say it's impossible, but he's not okay. going there to fucking sell those animals. He's going there just to go there to market himself. And and he doesn't go there. He basically told me he's not there to sell snakes at all. Basically, mm-hmm. he's there to pop up shop so people just could just see what he's got going on. And and for the people, I feel like, and I feel like if I ever van, it's because I just want to do it for the people. One person I admire hearing stories of and seeing his setups at shows was Rico Walder, you know, like Rico had a bunch of different, he had chondros, he had emeralds, all decked out on tables. And I would, I mean, as much as it, we're talking about risk and stuff like that, I mean, I don't see that being anything. Like, if I ever have my own production, I don't ever see myself going to a show. But I could see myself why I would want to go to a show, to show the people what I'm working with. Like, this is yeah. what I have on. This is my love. This is my passion. I don't give a fuck about, your, none of it's for sale. Just look at it. And that's it. Keep it moving. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a good point. It is, you know, a lot of people, when you get to meet them face to face, you establish those relationships and they're like, Hey, okay, cool. Like you're the face behind that, you know, like, cause I don't, I'm the, you know, I don't, on my social media, I don't really post a lot of photos of my face. I try to keep it about the animals, but going to those shows, you know, people put a name to the face and company to the face. And then it's like, okay, yeah, you establish a relationship and you get to kind of network in that way, which is important. You know, it's fucked up. And I don't want to be like, you know, we were talking about like not being sexist. I might be being judgmental on this, but I, based off my experience, the people who don't like to show their face for the most part ever are the ones that are like really hideous looking or they're fucked up. You know what I'm saying? And it's cool to see that you're not any of that. Like you're, you know what I mean? You got your shit together. So that's, I can't really hold that to anyone who doesn't like to show their face out there now. So I'm going to keep that. I'm going to keep that. I learned something huge off this pot. Not just this, don't get me wrong, but this was huge. And I'm going to realize not everyone's probably as fucked up. You know? <laughs> well, hey, you know, everybody functions differently. And uh, this is a crazy yeah, I, world. It's I, a crazy I, world we live in, man. And whatever people do to keep them happy and sane, I'm all for it. But I'm kind of like a camera shy guy, so whatever. It is what it is. I would have never known by. I mean, you're killing it off this on this podcast, by the way. This is murder. We're we're just shy of two hours. We're, I have a wrap up question. We're not there yet, but you know, we're doing a good job. So good shit. You're killing it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now I will say though, you know, is that being said, you know, uh, other than shows, I mean, have you ever been pressured? Not pressured, but have you ever felt like, man, I should do a YouTube or I should do more to do exposure on my what I have going on because. I mean, the tree monitors is such a thing where I feel like people need to, like a lot of people should be knowing what you got going on. Not that they don't, but like, I mean, have you ever felt like you should, you know, maybe do something where you could get more people tapped into what you have going on project wise? Yes, 100 percent. 
Um, I recently, recent as in in the past six months, opened up a YouTube account for my company. And the goal of it is simply for like self, well, it's not selfish. It's, it's lazy purposes, I guess. I, you know, when you have an animal, like, and you work with as many species as I do, you answer tons of questions on care. Okay. So if you look at like, yeah, that Northern spiny tailed gecko video, that's what I want to do a bunch of are videos where I can have, um, like, Hey, MJ, you're buying a leaf tailed gecko from me. Hey, Brian, um, how do I keep this? What do I have to do? MJ, here's a link. Check out this video done. I don't have to sit there and write everything out or copy and paste a big, long care sheet. It's going to be something that's right there where people can see exactly what needs to be done for the basic care. There's some, you know, there's some other folks who are doing that out there. um, And I think it's awesome. You know, the more care videos that we have on specific species, it encourages people to get into the species. It shows um, exactly what needs to be done instead of just like, Okay. Yeah. So, so what do you do? You just, you put branches here and then you got to use UV. Wait, what kind? It's like, it's all in the video. Check out the video, you know? So I want to do a lot more of those. That's awesome. Hey guys, do me a favor. Let's all head over to YouTube right now and just mimic what I did. Let's subscribe to sundown reptiles and hit that notification bell for my boy right now. Wow. Thanks, Uh, man. Exciting stuff. Cause we need more content like that out there. I'm telling you right now. I mean, it's, uh, it's this stuff that's probably not as popular as it's about to be in the next few years. And this is a fact. I'm telling you right now, like yeah. the movement, the movement, the movement that the gecko game, the ball Python game that is doing is going to, it's going to fulfill all these other passionate species that a lot of people don't really work with yet. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, you know, I mean, I don't know, like my, my buddy, Andrew Acevedo is like, he's somebody who wants me to do so well by these green trees because there's not enough people producing species like this. And, for me to hear how good you've been with what you got going on, I'm glad that you have a YouTube going on. This is huge. Like people, you know, I mean, I mean, with that being said, with how much this has been growing, do you feel like you kind of get stressed out with how many questions you have to answer sometimes from random people? Or do you even get random people hitting you up that you've never even spoken to? Because I'm trying to be better by those people, but God damn, like there's people hitting me up wanting advice that I don't even, I've never even spoken to them before. And yeah. I'm trying- how do you deal with that? I'm just curious. That's a, that's a good question. Um, I struggle with that sometimes. <laughs> I have a view of like, I am here 100% for the rest of your life. If you have purchased an animal from me, I'm right. going to give you everything that I know. I'm going to give you all of the information. I'm not holding anything back. But like, to the rando who just kind of messages me like, Hey, I just bought this, you know, I just bought this pine Island Kahua from so-and-so, or I've got these spiny tailed geckos that I got. Um, how do you breed? Like, what are you doing for breeding? I'm just like, man, I, I try to give responses and try to be good about it because at the end of the day, you know, a lot of those people, like you, you want to help people and you know, when you're, Helpful things can come back around and, you know, you never know. Somebody, maybe they'll come back to you at some point, but it's something that I've struggled with. I'm like, man, like there's a part of me that thinks in my head, I'm like, well, like if you bought it from so-and-so, why are you asking me? Like, why are you coming to me? Which I know it may not sound very nice, but 
it is a thought, if I'm being honest, that sometimes goes through my mind. I usually end up answering anyway, but it can get tiring in that respect. But I'm here for my customers 100%. And that's one of the reasons why I encourage people, if you want to buy from me, like that's what you get. You get all of my knowledge that comes with it. So the way I look at it, there's some people you only get one shot with, right? So yeah. why, why waste that shot with such a stupid fucking question or such a fucking ridiculously like request that you could easily find out elsewhere? You know what I'm saying? Or like, right. I don't know. I feel like if you're going to really want somebody's attention and time, and especially somebody you looked up to, if you're even nervous about it, then make it a fucking proper one. Like don't, don't waste the guy's time and don't, don't make it seem like yeah. you're just here to fucking, you know, just here to touch fucking dicks and be like, Hey, you know, like, you know, like be, get straight to the point. You know what I'm saying? Like, and yeah. I, I don't know, like, I feel like a lot of people, I mean, if it's not them wanting some, I, I, I feel like there's always a want, like, I always feel like they want something like, and, and, and honestly, I feel like me being a dick to you is probably going to help you better than me helping you right now. Like, I feel like me telling you to go figure it out or me just not, cause I, I'm not a dick really. Like some, some people I am, but like, I just don't respond. I'll just delete, you know, like there's an awesome feature. There's a, have you, you know, the unread feature, you know what the unread feature is? <laughs> I do not. So well, I know if you click on it, then it's red. But, but then, so if you okay. go back, so check this out. Oh God bless this feature. So if you see it, if you see a fucking like, you know, especially those weird people who just give you paragraphs and you're like, I don't want to read this, but like you do, you could read it real quick, go back and swipe and hit unread. And it goes back to like, you never read it. And it, <laughs> I was unaware of that. You're welcome. Aware of that, but yeah, yeah, thank you for that info. But no, man. I mean, it's tough because you know, at the end of the day, like this business has now become my livelihood, and yes. if I want to, you know, like jerks and like if you're ripping people off, get weeded out real quick in this world. Like word travels fast, and you know, I always try to take care of my customers. And I try to like, you know, even if some rando hits me up with a random question, I still try to help them out regardless. But yeah, I mean, since you asked the question, that's why I was saying like, sometimes it does go through my mind. I'm like, man, who'd you buy this from? And, you know, but again, you know, I try my best to be responsive to everybody. Just stop asking me what, just don't ask me what you should be pairing your pastel fucking ball python to because I don't know what to tell you. That's one <laughs> I'm just like, bro, I don't fuck. Hey, man, I just got this snake. What would you put to it? The fuck? What do you want for Like, how do I even tell? You know how many morphs are out there in this goddamn ball python world? Like, you're, what a dumb question. I'm so sorry. God bless them. Um, yeah, yeah, I feel you. Brian, I have a wrap-up question before we get into the hot seat questions, okay? Um, and yeah. I'm curious because, like, we were just talking about earlier just now. It's so easy to get your hands on anything right now. And I feel like a lot of people get excited. A lot of people, you know, like I said, this podcast being a double-edged sword, you know, it's it's good in a sense, but some people want to look into things and they want to bite more than they can chew, right? But if you have any kind of advice out there for anyone out there who is excited to be in this industry, right, but don't know what direction to take because they're obsessed with everything, like how would you kind of like tell them to focus or maybe kind of get a grip on, you know, them being new or something like that because i can just tell you right now there's a lot of people that just want to get into everything right off the bat and that's not 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 that that's not impossible i mean it's not impossible but i'm just saying like you know it's case by case and i just want to know what your what your thoughts would be on that 
Yeah. That's like, for me, that was like high school syndrome, right? Or like great, <laughs> when I was young, like, at, you know, like my, in an adult, like when I was young, growing up, I wanted one of everything. I had like Borneo short tail pythons. I had a pair of rainbow boas. I had, you know, some leaf tail geckos. I had this. I, had, I mean, I would say if you're looking to get into, like, if you're looking to enjoy animals, do what you want, right? But if you're looking to breed and you are have interest in like starting something that's like a breeding project or you want to start up a reptile amphibian related business, I would say start with one to two things and prove yourself out with those, give them some time. And then once you realize that you're capable of being successful with that species, then either build upon it or take the next step and try an additional species and see if you can hang with that. But that would be my best guess. Yeah. I mean, because even if you could kind of tap on your, you know, your high school syndrome days, I mean, was there ever a, <clears throat> was there ever a point where you push yourself to where you were like, fuck this. Like you almost wanted to like, throwing the towel on certain species like did you ever get that bad i'm curious no just because i've been you know i've been a nature nut a wildlife nut especially reptiles amphibians since i can remember so i i never really wanted to give up completely i always knew i'd be keeping to some degree i literally like i i call upon i don't know how old i was i know i was young i was grade school where i was in my bed at night and I wrote down, I had a pen and paper and I wrote down a list and it was all the species that I want to work with when I get older and all the species that I want to breed. And here I am doing the damn thing. So, really? You have, where's that list? Do you have it? I don't. I don't. It was like, it was like leopard geckos, bearded dragons. I don't remember the other species that I have on there. None of, none of those I'm keeping badass species that I have a lot of respect for, but it was like at the time, back in the day, the, the stuff that you could choose from was a lot thinner than what we have now. Um, right. But the moral of the story is, yeah, like pick some stuff, focus on it and start small. And then as you get your success, then you can go from there. Otherwise you're just going to be a collector, you know, like we're all collectors to a degree, but to a collector with a purpose and a vision. You know, I see. I mean, I see so many different you know, levels, right? What we were talking about earlier, there's levels, so many different things and success. There's so many different levels of success in this hobby. There's financial success, which my ball pythons. But you want to know what I'm hopefully to be successful at is putting one of my bloodline condos into your collection. That would make me so happy someday to do just because yeah. just because just because after hearing what you've had to say about condros on this podcast and knowing the shit that you've gone through and how to stick out and you're still here to this day, even though they're on the back burner way, way, way back, you're still making shit happen with them, which bro, I mean, I, at the end of the day, I'm like, I'm, I'm almost, I'm like you, but like in high school, I'm like a high school you right now. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I, I've only been in this for like four years. This is like, Literally my fourth year of breeding, like I'm not breeding, not even my my third year of breeding, but my fourth year of keeping reptiles like to to this level, you know. That's but awesome. but I but you know it, it just keeps me so like young minded, like it just keeps me wanting to learn more. Like I'm finally in a position, Brian, where I don't I feel like I don't know it all, and I always felt like everything I did in life, like I got good enough where I felt like I knew it all, you know. And that was my that was my enemy, you know. Like like I would get all this praise on how I'm good at something, and I felt like, well, I'm already. I'm already good, but you know, yeah. 
You should never be complacent like that. No matter what you're doing, you should, no matter what praise you're getting, no matter who's on your dick, you should never get complacent and say, I'm good. I'm settling, especially when you're young. And I did that a lot when I was young. And here I am like feeling like I'm just reborn into a life that I was meant to be in. And it's just happening now in my thirties, you know? Yeah, man. Being humble is so key. I mean, it's, if you're, it, you'll go nowhere without, you know, being humble and, and, and the but, but what is this? What is this dude? Like no matter. Okay. Let's say you're somebody who's not humble and you're really wanting to be in this shit for life, bro. You're about to get humbled quick. Like oh, you, yeah. you, you will get humbled. My freezer humbles me. You know, if I want to get humbled, I just go to my freezer and I look at fucking all the condos that I, 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 I don't want to get into detail, bro, but I have shit that keeps me humbled to this day. And, and my buddy Andrew is one of my most realistic homies. He tells me, enjoy everything you have right now because tomorrow it could be gone. And that's a fact. Like I could wake up, God forbid, you know, and, and it could just be all wiped out or, or anything, anything. Like, like life is fucked up sometimes. You feel me? Yeah. And yeah. You just never know. And I'm at a, such a good, I'm at such a fucking good place in my life where I owe it all to not only my wife, but to these animals. And, I, who knows how long this wave's gonna ride for? But I'm just loving it every day, and I'm yeah. gonna, I'm just gonna be appreciative. I'm gonna stay humble, bro. Like you got to stay humble because this shit could be gone. And yeah, well, the problem with that is there's it's there's a handful of really easy species to keep, and because there's a lot of people who've paved the way, you can get some noob who gets in and gets a couple of crested geckos and starts producing them, and they've got a little bit of money, so they buy some nice ones. And next thing you know. They're the ones who are on social media trying to tell everybody how things work. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, you, you, it's an interesting environment on, on social media with it. But, uh, yeah, as you start branching into other species, I mean, I've, I've gotten humbled this speed, this, uh, the past couple months, man, I've had some, some rough stuff that, that hit with some projects that just, you know, yeah, it's, there's, it's always going to happen. It's always going to happen. And the more, you know, the more you got to play with, the more, you know, playing hurt's going to happen, you know, and it's just, you just got to accept it. So. hundred percent. Cheers to the game, bro. What an, what an awesome fucking two hour podcast. We have hot seat questions. I mean, you know, listen, yeah. you're not out of it, all right. So, but yeah. definitely round two worthy, bro. I mean, we're going to talk after this off, off the show, but this is definitely round two worthy. I didn't get enough. We need more of this, you know, further cool. down. So we'll talk cool. down the road, but uh, let's go ahead and get this, uh, Hot tea questions in for my boy, Brian. Are you ready for these hot tea questions, Brian? Give it to me. All right, man. Listen, at the end of the day, the more you don't give me an explanation, the more player you are handling these hot tea questions. Just keep that in mind, okay? You want no explanation, just quick. If you if you have to explain it, I get it. I get it. But you <laughs> just you're not, that's not the point of the hot tea questions. Are you ready? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Questions, hot tea questions from my man Brian Sundown Reptiles. Frozen thought or live? Uh, frozen thought. A cut or no cut? What? A cut or no cut? Would you cut an egg or would you never cut an egg? Oh, um, oh egg cut. Um, cut. Red chondroneo or yellow chondroneo? Red. Pre first shed meal or post first shed meal? Um, post. Favorite substrate for a neochondro? Favorite style. Respect. Uh, yay imports or boo imports? Um, 
Depends on the species. Oh, no, fuck. No, it's either a yes or no. You're in charge, motherfucker. It's your call. Yay. Condros, condros no. So, I mean, period. So, if no, like, meaning, like, import, yes or no. Anything. Like, anything. Oh, shit. Yes or no, bro. I need to know. It's like, you're the, you're the governor on this right now, and this is your call. Trump took over office. He said, Brian, it's your call right now. What are you going to do? What is happening? Yay imports or blue imports? I may be hypocritical, but from a conservation okay. aspect, I'd say no imports. Okay, but one import you, one reptile you could import today. If everything was chill, we didn't, we weren't fucked up as humans, and it was all you know great. What's one reptile you would import from anywhere in the world right now? <clears throat> uh, Varanus bomai. Okay, what's uh? Did I just oh? Uh, what's rep, what's one reptile we should never import ever again? Ball pythons. Oh, respect. To to spray a chondro or to not spray a chondro? Spray them. Yay sports or boo sports? Yay sports. Favorite sport? Disc golf, son. What the fuck? I'm not talking about ESPN the Ocho. I'm talking about a real sport. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just That's a sport. That's a sport. That's a sport. We'll give it to you. Uh, big flexor or no flexor? What? Big flexor or no flexor? You flex, you don't flex. No. Uh, Come on. Come on. Come on. Yeah. Big flex. Big flex. There we go. I like it. Finally. Realism. Steak or fish? Uh, fish. Van Halen or Sammy Hagar? Uh, Van Halen. Nirvana or Sublime? Sublime. West Coast rap or East Coast rap? West Coast. Favorite West Coast rapper? Um, Ice Cube. Respect. I like that. Favorite Friday? Um, After Next. Yeah, dude, I like this guy. Finally. Everyone's <laughs> original, but it's not the case. After next, thank you. Fuck, dude, awesome. Okay, hold on. Little word association. First thing to come to mind: milk. Um, cow. Mites. Um, snakes. Ovulation. Uh, chondros. Day sixty. Um, chondros. FedEx <laughs> shipping. Yeah. <laughs> First time Condro Keeper. Good luck. <laughs> oh my god. Uh Instagram trolls. Get out of here. I don't know. <laughs> if you had to get rid of one platform, Brian, if one platform had to go forever, and I mean forever, is it going to be Facebook or Instagram? Which one needs to go? Facebook. I agree. Hey, bro, what an episode! I gotta say, this has been this was money, man. Thank you so much for your time. What do you have to say? We had, we, you know, we had up to over fifty people at one point in this live. So shout out to all the viewers. But what do you have to show to everyone? What do you have to say to everyone showing you love tonight, man, and and, and all your supporters out there? Yeah, thank you guys. Um, without everybody, you know, we wouldn't be doing the thing. So thanks everyone, and I hope to learn from you, and I hope that you learn something as well. So. Appreciate you guys tuning in. And MJ, thanks for having me out, man. 
Yeah, my pleasure, man. Like we will tap in after this for sure. And uh we were gonna schedule a round two at some point. I appreciate you so much, but that's a wrap. My boy Brian Sundown Reptiles, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> Happy Sunday, man. Thank have a good night. Later. Yeah, have a good one. Whew, that was heat. Thank you guys. Two hours of straight fucking goddamn heat. I did not expect chondros to be this uh heavy of topic, but I'm glad we're always talking about chondros. But to hear about the, how this guy was tapped in years back. I just love this shit, man. You just never know what you're going to get on a Sunday. But anyways, if you guys happen to tap in late, cool. No big deal. Hit that like button. Uh, shout out to my Patreon members. I'll see you guys right now on the Trap Talk Zoom session. So be ready because it's going to go down. We're going to smoke fat. I appreciate everyone so much. Hit that like button. Uh, this uh, tomorrow is going to go down. Let's see. Hold on real quick. I got to give a shout out to my homie uh, because new breed on the block going down tomorrow night. My homie, Patrick Chung. Yeah, it's Patrick Chung, right? It's my homie, uh, Antoine's homie. Came referraled from the homie Antoine, but he's going to be tapping in tomorrow night. Ball python breeder, new breeder on the block. Make sure you go down to the link. Set your reminder because that shit's going to go down. So be ready because we're going to get to talking on some ball pythons tomorrow night, 6 o'clock Pacific Standard Time. And then just so you know, this Thursday night, heavy as fuck. Yeah, you like chondros? I love chondros. But I have one of who I feel like one of the most players chondro breeders in the game coming to the Trap Talk show this Thursday night. The homie Socrates from R.E.L.E. Max Aboreals. That's right. My best friend coming to Trap Talk this Thursday night. It's going to be so legendary. It's going to be amazing. This guy's ready to unleash some knowledge. So be ready for that. And again, thank you so much for spending your Easter here with me and the homie Brian. Hit that like button, subscribe, and I will catch you tomorrow here on another Trap Talk session. Your boy's out. Cheers.